another episode of the Fly and the Wall Show. Man, I'm so happy you made it this far. I would never let fear hold me back ever again. And I got a special guest. This is about to be an amazing conversation. I got the legendary power move maker and shaker. This is about to be an amazing conversation, man. I swear I hear it all like a fly on the wall. But truly, I'm not small. I'm the flyest of all. And this a meeting ground for the blessing profound. The hottest talk show around. You better turn up your sound. Because if you want to be great, you got to learn from the greats. Analyze what they say and avoid their mistakes. If you got what it takes, just give me a call. I'm here to hear it all. It's the Fly on the Wall show. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, J.R. Lee. And I'm back for another special, special episode. This is episode 60. Man, I can't believe I made it to episode 60. And I'm joined by the powerful and the beautiful queen, a conundrum. And a conundrum for the people who don't know who you are and what it is that you do. Can you please tell us a little about yourself, please? Um, sure. So my name is Econundrum. I'm known as Econundrum Online. My name is Alquincia Selawain. And um, I am a serial entrepreneur. And my focus currently is on uh, virtual spaces. So I am now a virtual commercial property developer, um, owner and developer of the Black Virtual Mall. And I'm also an app developer and I have a company called First Generation Apps um, as well, which are my two hyper-focuses besides selling very easy um, and applicable solutions for entrepreneurs in the space of uh, e-courses. Absolutely, absolutely. And well, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. And so when you say serial entrepreneur, for those who don't know exactly what a serial entrepreneur is, what exactly is that in your own words? Uh, well, serial entrepreneur, uh, very different from, say, a business owner or traditional, the concept of a business owner. Uh, typically, the way I view it is that business owners really kind of play in their lane. So, for example, if you are a restaurateur, um, that would be the space in which you would probably thrive in business. So you'd open a restaurant or maybe um, a mobile food uh, truck or something like that. So you kind of play in your lane. Whereas serial entrepreneurs, we're not really tethered to one particular discipline or industry. Um, we will really go where the opportunity is. So we take advantage of really need, necessity, time, um, you know, conditions, and we really will just provide solutions that are um, trending or happening or, you know, spaces that we can actually lend something to. So we'll go from industry to industry. You know, we're not really um, focused on one particular product or industry or service. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And how long have you been an entrepreneur and how exactly did you get started in entrepreneurship? Well, um, I'd say on record, um, <laughs> I started my LLC in 2014, I believe, 2013. So definitely since uh, the very first, I would say like structured um, sort of a hustle um, yeah. was 2014, which I created a hair product called Block Therapy. And it was um, a, a solution that I had created for myself for my locks. And um, I started to formulate that and sell that. So that was like the first thing. And most of the things that I did, um, which is something that a lot of entrepreneurs end up doing, is we'll have maybe a focus or a main business that we are 
really wanting in uh, our passion product that we're really trying to do. And usually we know that that's going to take a little bit of time. That's going to take a little bit of money. And so we wind up um, creating hustles or things that can provide us with seed money to either fund that passion product or keep the bills on, you know, paid while. Absolutely. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so virtual spaces, I know that you said you are a virtual commercial property developer. Is that yes. I'm saying? Okay. So what exactly, like, what exactly does that mean? Well, just like we have a commercial property developer in real life. So that's a person who develops uh, properties for commercial, commercial usage. So you'll typically think retail space um, mm-hmm. and that. So it's not residential space. And virtual is just that same thing, but it's a virtual space. So it's a space that is utilized for um, retail commercial usage in the virtual world uh, or online or digital more so, more so of course, than um, your, your typical brick and mortar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And so, well, man, the world, the world, we're in 2021 right now and the world is definitely changing. The world is definitely advancing. We have, you know, we're going digital. We have AI. We have virtual reality. We are, you know, the world. The world is slowly getting, you know, conforming to cryptocurrency. How important is like moving into the digital world? And you know, where do you see the world going in the future? Well, well, we've seen. Um, I would say the pandemic has definitely kind of brought a new awareness in terms of our vulnerabilities in the physical world as merchants or sellers or retailers. And Absolutely. so e-commerce, we're, we're all used to, we're all familiar with it. It's not new anymore. But Absolutely. when you analyze your SWAT as a business, which is, which is your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats, I think a lot of businesses were forced to reconcile with the fact that existing just primarily in a physical capacity is um, and can be a vulnerability. It can be one of your weaknesses. And so there's a lot of businesses, of course, that are closed, that are shuttered. We're having um, that they named retail apocalypse, where, you know, you can go and see all of these stores that are shuttered, closed, buildings that are for lease, for lease, for lease, just, you know, um, they even have a new term for the malls that are experiencing this, and it's called Malmageddon, where... Mm. Um, by 2025, we're anticipated to have only 25% of the malls that we had physical spaces. And I didn't so, even know people still go to the mall. Right, right. And the very thing that brought the malls about um, is actually the very same thing that's sort of killing them, which is convenience. So mm. when the mall started um, during the, the 50s, um, the concept was, putting all of these amazing and unique businesses and needed services under one umbrella. And the convenience was that everyone could come and shop and, you know, do all of your shopping in one location, which of course was breathtaking and brilliant at its time. Um, But then now as e-commerce has introduced us to a new level of convenience, which is shopping from home, People just don't want to walk the 20, 40, 50,000 square foot space for a few things anymore. So the mall is not providing that same social communal 
aspect that drove us there, which is typically the, you know, teen audience. So as people get older, we found a new convenient method of shopping right from your home and then having the things brought to you. So the same convenience aspect that made the mall great, it's actually killing them all, you know, because they haven't pivoted to that level of utilizing e-commerce. And um, that's what I've done differently with the virtual mall is provide you that same convenience factor that the mall did in a physical realm, but doing it online. And so the differentiator is there's a lot of directories. You know, we have um, other platforms that do house a lot of different stores and brands. But what I'm doing differently is providing a graphic user interface that feels more familial because although we're moving digital, we're still human and we still like things that feel um, like something that we know and feel comfortable. And so with the virtual mall, sorry if my ear goes off in just a second, with my mall, um, it's aesthetically pleasing. So it's not just the digital interface where there's some brands and just hyperlinks and some products. It has a more of an experience feel to it and it looks like the mall that you're used to. Absolutely. It's definitely an experience. I actually went through with my girlfriend. I was like, wow, this is actually really dope. And so, you know, with with the pandemic and with the rise of everything like that, the, the original idea for the, the Black Virtual Mall, with how long, when, when did you actually receive this concept? When like when it was like, you know what, I see this problem. I want to move forward with this. I want to put this into action. Like, I'm pretty sure this happened before the pandemic. When exactly did you, when you start, when did you start working on this idea? Well, actually, no, it wasn't before the pandemic. Oh. So with the pandemic, um, okay. before the pandemic, I, like a lot of people were on this, I was doing a speaker circuit, you know, so I was speaking, mm-hmm. attending events, um, you know, it was like 2019, I would say was a, a very, um, a year of growth in terms of events for black entrepreneurs, speaking engagements. Mm-hmm things of that nature and so when the pandemic when the shutdown hit a lot of corporations and event sponsors and hosts pivoted to virtual spaces and so i was fortunate enough to attend um a platform dedicated to subscription-based businesses uh Mm -hmm. just more information on that and the user interface that they had was something like unlike anything that i had ever seen And so I immediately started to research the company that they utilized and then introduced myself to uh, other companies that also created those similar spaces. And so I spent some time researching about a week, really kind of getting into what my options were, um, getting familiar with the spaces, the the language to understand what it is that um, I would be venturing into. And so I saw it as just that light bulb moment of saying, wow, this is amazing. This is definitely where we're heading. Um, I like the aesthetics of the platform in the sense that, no, I'm not a stranger to virtual reality. You know, we've seen this. We've seen these virtual worlds, the things like the Sims. We've seen the really intricate ones where you are like navigating into the space. You have a character that you have to kind of dress and learn walk so we've seen this you know any kids growing up in the video um game error 
So we've seen that for quite some time. Um, but to see it being utilized for an event, which this event was a weekend event, was something that was new. And one of the things that I did like was the ease of use. So you don't have to have any special Oculus glasses or you don't have to learn to control an avatar or dress it. It's very intuitive. You you get that feel, that Sims kind of environment from the little characters walking around, but you can just jump right on and engage and, and do what you need to do. So I like that ease, you know, so it gives you the feel without all of the extra legwork that would be cool for a second, but I yeah. think it's trivial after a while, right? That every time you like get these glasses or move this character just to go shopping. So um, I, I, I saw that platform and my first experience with it was I created the Black Biz Expo last year in February. And um, most of these events take about three to nine months to build out. And uh, my team and myself, we built it out in six weeks. And we launched the Right. Now, financially, I did take a hit on that, to be very transparent. Um, it was about $40,000 uh, cost. to Don't events is not cheap. No, and, and virtual events... They have their pros and cons, but they're also for this type of event. It can get really costly. The average spend with the company that I use is actually like $150,000 for a weekend. Mm. And so, um, but the reach is far greater as well, yeah. right? If you can have only people in the location, you can get people from all over the world. So I didn't, of course, have time to market the event in the speed of which we were executing it. But I knew inherently it was really, really important to understand it, to learn it, to get behind the dashboard for it. So I took that risk and said, you know, I'm going to learn it and I'll figure out how to make it profitable. So initially I was going to launch uh, part two of the Black Biz Expo in June for the Juneteenth month. And um, I ended up pivoting because this idea was actually going to be the mall was going to be launched in December uh, around Christmas for the holidays around November or December and then I talked to someone that um, I greatly respect and I was telling him about the idea he said no you have to go with that now like don't wait um, and you have to go with it now and so that's really why it wind up being a little bit more expedited and, and pushed now versus December. Absolutely, absolutely. That's amazing. And so, you know, this is more than just a mall, right? This is a mall for Black-owned businesses. And, you know, we're in a time right now where, you know, people are, you know, people are pushing ownership, right, and empowerment. How important is, you know, economical, economic empowerment, especially in the Black culture? Well, for us, um, we lack significantly behind when it comes to economic power um, in America for a variety of historical reasons. And um, we also lack the capital and the experience um, that lends to success. So I think that e-commerce is one of the playing field um, levelers. So 
it's quite expensive, you know, to get into a brick and mortar concept retail store. Um, there's a lot that goes with that. Whereas e-commerce, the barriers of entry are just not there. This is something you can literally create a shop in one day and be up and running um, taking orders. And so I think that it's something that we really have to capitalize off of because it's that one key opportunity for us to um, enter into the marketplace and become competitive. And so because of that, since this is really for me, our entry and our way in, it's something that we have to really understand in great depth and, and really take advantage of. And Absolutely. so now what we've understood also with the pandemic and the lockdown is that a lot of people moved into e-commerce last year. That was one of the greatest years of explosion for e-commerce because Largely, you had people who never felt job insecurity that were at home uh, for the first time questioning, you know, if we're going to have a job, questioning uh, their security at their job. You had people who were shuttered for their um, physical locations that they primarily depended on that had to really focus on their e-commerce. And so it's become oversaturated. It's, it's really now far more competitive from last year than it ever was. And so we have to look at what differentiators and what ways are we going to now stand out in this new crowded space, especially since this is the space that we must um, utilize. And so that's why me seeing that space and knowing the future of e-commerce and knowing that you're going to need something to stand out as a differentiator and really kind of drilling down into that, I said, I have to get in the forefront of this and I have to bring us into it. And so that's why for me, addressing the 40% of Black-owned businesses that were um, closed permanently from the shutdown addressing the 80% of Black-owned businesses that closed 18 months after opening, um, trying to just, you know, fill in some of those, the gaps. I thought that our, our, our group, our segment requires the help and the focus and the attention, especially if we're doing something that's moving us and progressing us into the future. Absolutely, absolutely, 100% agree. And so as a business owner, how can I get involved with the Black Virtual Mall? Say I, I, I have a product-based business. How can I, is it limited to tr- product-based business or can you have a service as well? How can I get involved? How can I be a merchant involved in, in, the, um, in the space? Well, it's really simple to join. Um, you can join at the blackvirtualmall.com directly at the mall. The very first option on the navigation is apply. So you can click that link there. Um, there's a link in the bio at the Black Virtual Mall's Instagram page. Uh, there's a link in the bio at my Instagram page, at Conundrum. Um, so it's very simple to join uh, and apply. You, uh, We are heavy on product focus, but if you have a service that can be conducted or performed remotely, then you can join as a service-based business. So let's suppose you are a counselor. Right. 
and you host sessions remotely anywhere in the world, then your service would be, but would qualify you for space. If you have a service that can only be provided within local, so say you're a nail tech um, in Atlanta. So of course you aren't traveling all over the world doing, I mean, hopefully if you're, if you're great, but you know, typically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and, your region or be local. So then you wouldn't qualify because it would be limited uh, to Atlanta uh, or wherever you are. So then yes, service space, if you can conduct your business digitally remotely. And a lot of people who have services, they also, and I encourage them to have a digital product. So a lot of books or e-courses and things like that. So even though you could be a nail tech that only services Atlanta, you may have a ebook or a product of like how to do nails you know um that you're teaching people then you could you could still join because that product could be disseminated nationwide absolutely and you know speak speaking about like digital products and ebooks and all the stuff like that and courses you know one of the one of the features that i really found a lot of value in with the black virtual mall was the movie theater right that was very cool and i loved how you know you use it as like a free resource where you actually provided value you know, you gave away access to like, you know, digital marketing, you know, Facebook ads and stuff like that. Why was that important for you to, to give that away and use that to, you know, showcase, you know, like to help people in, in that sense? Right. So I provide courses um, that I often give away for free because I know that we really kind of um, have focused on the concept of group economics um, right. for the last few years. And I've coined the term group infonomics mm. because I really believe that if we focus simply on circulating the dollar, it's a very short term solution because our businesses are, are struggling, not simply only because of capital, but because we are not keeping them open. So again, 80% of Black-owned businesses closed within 18 months. So you have people who have made it to actually create a business, start a business, and be in business, and then close their doors because they lack the information to keep their businesses open. And that, to me, is the most valuable asset because I can give you a million dollars, but yeah. if you are not if you're not educated on how to utilize that as an as an asset, right, and to grow that money, you're going to be out of money soon. So I really want to focus on tools that will keep your doors open, tools that will help your business to grow, tools that will help you to be um, a better merchant, a better business owner. And we would love to, you know, we glorify the concept of generational wealth. Right. And- my theory that one, the primary reason why we don't have this generational wealth is because generational wealth is really passing down a business or, you know, the assets to your heirs. Well, right. for us, 95% of black owned businesses are sole proprietorships, mm. which means we are the owner operator of our business. And for the most part, all of that knowledge about running the business, it rests with us as the one person. And so if we're not teaching our systems and better yet, actually, 
itemizing, detailing, and cataloging those systems in manuals and training manuals and writing them down, unfortunately, when we die, our businesses die with us. So if you have grandma and grandma never wrote the recipe down, the recipe dies with grandma. So if grandma's (laughs) these amazing cakes and pies and she never wrote the recipes down, that business dies with grandma. And so that's how a lot of our businesses are run. Not to mention that for the most part, we are the business, meaning we're the face of the business. So a lot of our businesses, because we're so personal and charismatic, we are the face and the person. So again, when we die, the business dies with us. So in my opinion, if we can get the information aspect down, our businesses will have a higher survivability rate, which will then be able to be a system that is passed on. If you look at all of the wealthy families, that business, so if you look at the names like, say, Hilton, that company has been there for decades, decades with that family. So um, it's not just giving the kids the money. It was giving them the information or creating a business that runs um, literally on automation, you know, runs itself so that the kids can still reap the benefits and then go on to do their own ventures as well. So I'm a big, big uh, proponent of automation and systems and also um, recognizing that this is how you're going to um, continue, not just your legacy in terms of your dream, but your legacy of opportunity that you give to your children to grow and be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's an amazing answer. That's an amazing answer. Thank you so much. You yeah. know, so, and so of- it's important to you said why. So for anyone who doesn't know in the black virtual moth, we have two very unique components um, that have never been done. We have a movie theater and we also have a food court that also delivers food. And so the movie theater um, is for free content, whether it's entertaining content, creative content, But what I am doing very, very differently is not only am I providing free courses and content and educational information, but you can't advertise in the Black Virtual Mall, not in the traditional sense that you're used to advertising. So there are no annoying pop-up banners. There's not a lot of sponsorship splattered all across the the graphics or the the, 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 uh, user interface. The only way to advertise is to infotize. And mm-hmm. so the example that I often use is to say, let's suppose someone has Jackson's tax services and she says, hey, sis, I want to run an ad for Jackson's tax services. Well, she can't do that because I don't want the users to come on and then right. oh, Jackson's tax services, you know, just in your face and Absolutely. something or you want, right? So that ruins the customer journey, in my opinion. But what she can do is she can provide a five to whatever length video that Mm. teaches our users something about say her industry so it could be the five tax no-nos to avoid as a new business owner okay she provides that video and then the user who now came to the mall came to the movie theater is looking for content sees that content and he or she is only going to click it because they're genuinely interested in learning about the five no-nos of taxes. And so once they click it, if Ms. Jackson does a great job of, you know, teaching and she gets you to know you like you trust her, 
uh, know, you know, know her, like her, and trust her, then the user will be more inclined to want to explore Miss Jackson's business more. Now, in that opportunity in the video, Miss Jackson is free to brand out. She can put Miss Jackson's taxes all along her banner. She can do a third with her name on the bottom. She can tell you how to locate her and everything. But as long as she just focus on more info, less ties in it. You know what I mean? So more yeah, than absolutely. Providing right? value. Providing the value, then she's able to be placed in the mall for free. There is no charge for that. So even if Ms. Jackson is successful and say she makes $10,000 off of that placement, that money is 100% hers. So that is a different way of curating content and also, um, I think, giving a better customer experience. And I think it increases also the conversion because the only person who's going to click that video is genuinely interested. So she does a good job. Her conversion will be far greater than the pop-ups that are just annoying you all day, right? So um, that's a differentiator that I'm doing in the mall um, as well. And besides the food courts that if you go there, you can click the food court. You can see the city that they're located in. And then you just utilize Uber Eats or Grubhub or any other method that you're already used to. So you don't have to download anything different. You yeah, just click the, the door is normal. Man, that's dope, man. That's dope, man. So so let me ask you a question. So like if I have a if I have a powerful clip, like for example, this podcast, if I was able to take this 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 um this content that we're creating right now. And make it, you know, provide value. I, I would have the opportunity to maybe be featured in the movie theater. Yes, definitely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so you just say, hey, this is the content. This is the subject matter. Okay. And, you know, give a small little description. And that's it. And you're able to, yeah. So then if you have, so now you could secure, procure fans who maybe went to the mall, grabbed a bite to eat. Absolutely. Stopping, you know, want to watch a movie, want to watch something entertaining. Um, and so, yeah, and I, of course, provide the free courses that drive people. So I'm really wanting to establish that culture that the movie theater is definitely a resource center, you know, as you said, as well, for you to get free information. And I'm seeing the results. I just had a Zoom meeting, um, a business strategy session. And two of the people that were in the strategy session actually used their time to speak to say thank you because there was an SEO course that I provided in there for free. Mm. And they said their numbers just skyrocketed after watching that free SEO course. So there's great content that really is um, helpful. Right now, there's information in there about trademark, patenting. These are videos trademark, copyright, patenting, starting a brand new business, starting a fragrance business, um, marketing with Marty Woodard, um, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Classic of Savoir Faire. He's the one who gave us the content about uh, starting your fragrance line. Um, there is getting into... Did you say you had Marty in there? Yeah, Marty Woodard has a whole... Check. That's my guy. In there. So there's a lot of content in there. Yeah. That's a lot of value. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people, they don't really realize that, you know, the difference between them, you know, elevating their business as well as their mind is really just access to resources and most importantly, access to information. And you're actually giving the information away for free. That's amazing. That's a lot of value. Yeah. And it saves us a tremendous amount of time, especially for for us. 
uh, the vast majority of us are first time entrepreneurs in terms of in our family. And so just don't have that um, hereditary knowledge in the business realm. Most of us come from families that have focused on getting a good job. Absolutely. Uh, The focus has been on how to be a great employee, you know, making sure that you are standing out, you're getting a promotion, a solid job, something with benefits. That's really what you've been. And, you know, then of course, uh, education has been the greatest, but not really watching someone we've had, you know, a lot of hustlers, but we watching really start a business structured and run that business operationally from start to finish and be behind the scenes and really see it go. A lot of us are just not privy to that. And even if we were, let's suppose my grandfather who did own a breakfast cafe, who did own motels and liquor stores and, you know, quite a few businesses, even with that, a lot of the information he has is solid, but a lot of it would also be antiquated in this new world. So being in the forefront of economy, you know, we don't have access to a lot of that information. So one of the things that I pride myself on is providing solid, doable, quickly, you know, that you can apply. Um, so the courses are typically no more than an hour an hour and a half long, but they have really quick solutions and I provide them at the lowest cost that you'll typically find anyone providing this sort of course for. A lot of the courses that I sell typically run from say a hundred, even one ninety nine, and I'm selling nine ninety nine to like the highest thing I have is like <clears throat> four, but that's actually like twenty five videos. That's like, you know, a couple of hours to sure. It's a large course on affiliates. Um, but yeah, most of them have an average price point of $19.99. That's not bad at all. And you know, and speaking about just information, right? As an entrepreneur, and just as a, as a human being, period, man, like, you know, sometimes we have to unlearn, sometimes we have to relearn things. You know, have you ever had to have any like paradigm shifts or any like shifts of your mindset on your journey? Well, I would say the greatest um, shifts was one, learning to stop telling myself no before someone else did. Mm. That that was huge. And um, that was really important. Um, And so we often just tell ourselves, no, they're not going to do it. They're not going to let me in. This, this, they, this won't happen. It's easier easier to let yourself down first before they do it in your mind. Right. And um, I did that uh, when I applied for Berkeley, for UC Berkeley. Mm. Uh, transfer student, and I was transferring with a 3.9. And, you know, I applied, but I said, no, I was, I was an older student. I was 31 uh, at the time, you know, with, with uh, two kids and married. And I just didn't see myself as the, a Berkeley student, you know, that would, would against all of these extraordinary freshmen. And so I applied because it was free, to be honest with you. And um, I said, no, they're not. They're not. So when they sent uh, communications about housing and, you know, scholarship money and aid, I didn't uh, apply for anything. And then I got the letter and Berkeley said yes. And I was 
wait, what? So I couldn't attend because I didn't have anything set up because I told myself no before they ever got a chance to tell me no. And as of that day, I was like, I'm never doing that again. In fact, if you tell me no, you got to tell me no four, five, six times. Like you, I'm going to need somebody else to come tell me no (laughs) and somebody else to tell me no. So I just stopped. No, it's not. It's like, no, I'm going to try to keep going until I can get a yes. So that definitely involved in that. Um, One of the other things that I'm recently having to unlearn, and I think a lot of people deal with, is imposter syndrome Mm. and how it can cause to overcompensate. Yes. And what I mean by that is, we, if you even look at the video called How to Sell to the Negro. One of the things they said was never discount the Negro. He doesn't want your charity, right? He doesn't want um, you to offer him a discount because at that time, the Negro was trying to prove himself to the store, right? To say, "I I belong here. I have just as much as they have, you know, so he didn't want charity or, 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 or discounts. And we do that in business too, especially women. Um, We won't really negotiate down a lot of times depending on who we're dealing with because we want to be seen as serious business owners. So I had a situation where I was going to create this platform um, for them all. And uh, I told them, I said, hey, I don't want to do a brand new one. Can we just reface what I have already? I've spent a considerable amount of money. Well, this company's never done it. I'm their first permanent resident. I'm teaching them how to use it. They've never done anything like what I provided, what I'm doing. So their initial answer was like, well, no, you know, we have to do a whole new thing. We don't, you know, that's not what we do. And I took that no, um, even though I'm against the no's, but I was just like, they were like, no, we're, you know, the cost. And we're just, so I was just like, okay, I'm not going to price haggle. And then I talked to someone who, um, kind of put a battery in my back uh, unexpectedly was actually was a white man. And uh, after I spoke to him, it kind of like it, it, that light bulb went off again. Like, what, is, what am I doing? I went back and I said, no, 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 no. This is what I need. This is what we're going to do. And they said, oh, okay, well, yes. And then I started asking for all kinds of crazy demands. I was like, well, hell, while I'm at it, let's and so I was like, oh, when I need this too, and um, the lease, you want me to pay a year in advance? No, I'm paying month to month. So it was, and then they came back and said, okay, we can't do month to month, we can do quarterly. But my point is, I had to say, whoa, let me get past that part as well um, and, you know, go in and negotiate and knowing your worth or, you know, establishing my business is just as valuable as anybody else's and I'm going to price haggle. You know, I'm going to negotiate with them. Absolutely. So those are things that I have had to unlearn. Absolutely. And that, that's a powerful, powerful, powerful things to unlearn and relearn. And, um, you know, you said something that you, you had to ask, right? And they said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. How important as a business owner is it to just ask? Like you said earlier, like you told yourself no before anybody else can tell yourself no. So we do this in our minds where we try to, you know, let it, let ourselves down easy, but how important is it to like get over that barrier and just ask? Well, for me, it was a difference of $22,000. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of money though. Right. 
right? It was it was the difference of twenty two thousand dollars. Um, sometimes it may not be monetary; it could be a perk or an added feature or something more that you need, um, which can save you considerable time or an addition. And the person who who how the conversation came about, I utilize an app for my digital services, and uh, just on a whim. I thought that it was an issue with the app. It wasn't. So the guy actually got me on the phone. It was like four in the morning. He's in uh, from New Zealand, New Zealand uh-huh. and was like, hey, if you're up, it's a little easier for me to just explain it. So I was like, okay, sure, I'm up. So he calls and we're talking and we find out that the issue wasn't with him. It was with Shopify. And mm-hmm. so he asked me, how did I enjoy using his service? And I was, you know, say, hey, I love it. Um, I have used another app for this. And he says, oh, what what did you need that for? And so we're just kind of getting into the details of that. And he says, well, you could have just asked us. We could have added the feature. What? He was like, could have just wrote. I was like, okay, first of all, full transparency. Um, As a black woman in business, right? Relatively kind of new and coming from, our background, our mindset is probably not going to say, let me go to this software company and, hey, I need this feature. Can you implement that? Like, it's just, you know, it's it's not going to be second nature. Um, It's something we would have. Now I'll do it. Yeah, of course. Experience. That was not what I would even think to do. And then I wouldn't even think that I wanted to pay the cost, you know, to if he needed to add it on. So, he said, you know, I appreciate that. He said, and you would think as a white man, I would instinctively do that. And he said, but I, I I, didn't either because I was raised in a household where that would be rude. That would mm-hmm. be considered inappropriate. But he said, my best friend who was Asian, his dad was a shark in business. And he said, this man would ask for the most ridiculous things. Oh my God. And would get them half of the time. And he said, I watched him and that's what I learned. And it gave me permission to start asking. And so I was like, wow. So it was like, it was a very cool moment, you know, in conversation. And then when I got off the phone with him, I got off the phone with the other company, like, no, we need to talk. And so, like I said, really? back and um and it's there now you know what i mean so for me now now i am like okay this is what i need this is what i don't need this is so you do need to be aggressive with um your vision absolutely and it can on the best end maybe save you thousands i mean some people go and negotiate deals that saves them millions absolutely you know yeah you should definitely Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the interesting thing is, man, you know, in the black culture, we're taught to kind of just like settle, accept what's given to us. And in these other cultures, especially wealth, like, you know, wealthy cultures, you know, they say like, you have to be aggressive, you have to ask for what you want, you have to demand it, you know, it kind of seems like people are entitled, but wealth and money comes to the people that demand it. Right. That's why you always see these different cultures. They're they're they accumulate this high level of wealth and they seem like they're entitled, but really and truly it's because it's the energy behind it. Like, no, I want this, this is what I want, this is what I'm gonna get, this is what comes to them. But as black people, we're so easy to just like, you know, cower it down and be like, I'm just gonna take what they give us. And it's something that's been conditioned over years and years and years, but we well, have to I, it comes down to that uh 
what is at the root of imposter syndrome mm -hmm. is you have been made to feel inadequate right. and that we don't belong somewhere and that we don't have enough and we are not enough to be in these spaces. And so when we get there, the right. last thing we want to do is come in with our hand out because yeah. it's like, oh, see, she she's not a serious business person. Look at her. She she doesn't even have the money. She doesn't. So we would rather make you assume that yeah. we are okay than to make you think we're inferior. Right. So that's the part that really I feel like grapples us uniquely as African-Americans um, is that we're, we're coming from a lineage of people who were told, you know, you, you don't belong, you're inferior, you don't have it, you don't, you know, you, you can't do it, you don't qualify. So we try to overqualify and we overcompensate. And this is where you get this concept of like black excellence. Like we have to go above and beyond just to be normal. Um, or even the concept of a black person saying, I have to work two, three, four, five times as hard. I have to be two, three, four times better just to be average. And so we come in with that idea. So the last thing we want to do is come in like, well, I don't have enough, you know, but just, we're just, we're, we're so sometimes happy to be there, you know, it's happy to be in the room. Yeah. We're just happy to be there. So the last thing, so when they come around saying, okay, do you have yours? We're not, we don't want to be like, uh, do you accept payments or, you know what I mean? We, we're, we're more so like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. You know, and Absolutely. not understanding that, like you said, those that are wealthy, they actually spend far less a lot of times than we do. Yeah. You know, uh, people are asking for the discounts. They're asking for the write-offs. They're asking, right. Uh, as a lot of times, they're not even paying to do a lot of the things that we assume they're paying to do. And so they have understood their worth and they're going to make sure that you understand it. And the one thing we've learned about work is that if you don't determine it, someone will discount your worth every single time. That's wow. That's a mouthful. Definitely. Definitely, man. And, um, you know, one of the last questions I want to ask you, um, you know, I like to ask all my guests this question when they come on this show is their definition of success. You know, success varies depending on where you are in life. It could be monetary. It could be, you know, spiritual. It could just be simple being happy. What is your definition of success? Well, success is to me achieving what you absolutely thought you couldn't yes but it's also making the effort to do it okay so for me i'm proud of people who even try to do what they thought they couldn't do right that to me is already one form of success and then if you're able to create goals for yourself, regardless of what those goals are, and you accomplish those goals, that's success to me. Absolutely. Right. So there are some people who have a goal. I remember when I started my very, very first hustle, my goal was I just needed an extra $200 a month. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if I can just sell these hair oils, 
And she's got like, two, I, my, that would have been my cell phone bill, like my gas, you know, it was just like just $200 a month. And, you know, you have to be pretty broke where $200 is going to make a huge significance or change in your life, pretty much where I was. And then um, I made a thousand dollars in that business and I was just blown away. You know, I was just like, oh my God, I'm making a thousand dollars a month, you know, and 200. And then I remember thinking around that time for my, my real business that I was, you know, um, doing all the hustling and everything for that $6,000 a month. I was like, if I could just make $6,000 a month, create a place I want to be in, be happy to go to work there every day, that would be fantastic. And then I looked at the numbers by adding um, another component. It would have been 11,000. And so at that time, I was like, 11, like that would be 11,000 a month? Like at that time, I was making $950 every two weeks. So $11,000 a month was like, that was crazy money. And then when you do that in a day, you know, when you do that in two minutes, it greatly, you know, changes. But so for me, in my opinion, I'm already successful because I have already nailed everything that was in my wildest dreams several times over. So everything after this, you know, is just um, an an, an, uh, a blessing beyond even my wildest comprehension and so it gives me the room to not feel as pressured either like I've gotten to this point not to say that you're sedentary like okay you know I made it I'm good you know I do see the potential but I'm not sitting here like oh I, got, I gotta get to this and then okay well I made that well, I, I gotta get to this and I, I gotta get to this I'm not I have a cap on what you know I would be comfortable with i'm like okay i'm good if i'm if i'm at you know forty thousand dollars a month like you know what i mean i what is talk about right what is there to discuss and so anything after that um is is way more than i could ever have even thought of and what that does is that gives me permission to experiment it gives me permission to because a lot of our businesses as Black people, they're started out of absolute necessity. They're started because we need money. Yes. They're started like a lot of these businesses that you've seen, that we've seen over time that have changed humanity. Those people just had a vision of something that was huge and they didn't need to pay the rent. They yeah. could just be creative they could just be innovative and they had time they had years and you know to just really cultivate something whereas for us it's really like yo this business got to start paying next month right now we don't get get time to really cultivate because it's a need necessity driven thing so we don't get to put our best creative foot forward because it's like i need to this needs to make me money And I'm at the place now where when you do put a cap on what you're doing and you say, okay, wow, I've made way more. Well, I'm at the place where I can start to relax and now I can start to 
con con conceive of something like the Black Virtual Mall, I can say I'm probably going to lose forty thousand dollars, but I see a bigger vision. Yeah. See, that's the difference, right? Between oh, I need to make two hundred dollars because that's limiting what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. What right? I just need to make this thousand dollars right quick. I was able to look at something, see the value in it, but see the larger picture. Yes. I was able to take my time with it. You know, I'm just doing it because I'm going to work fast like that. This is what I do. Absolutely. But I was able to, From I saw this in November and I launched the mall in July. So far, my total spend by the time July came was $70,000. So think about that. Like how many people or how many people are in a position that we know People right. like so us that can say, okay, here, I'm going to take $70,000 and I'm going to take like eight, nine months to see, you know, what this does. And hopefully it works. Yeah. We don't really have that experiential time and experiential money. So for anyone listening, I would encourage you that that's really where you're going to make your biggest impact is not on those. Ooh, ooh, what could give me the money? What could give me the money? You can start that way. You can generate your money, but kind of cap yourself. And then at some point in time, allow yourself some wiggle room to say, like, what would I really like if I just had all the time and all the money? Like, what business would I really want to kind of dive into that I could cultivate and I could nurse? Because that's going to more than likely be the thing that impacts your soul the most. That's going to be the thing that probably brings you the most joy. That's going to be your passion project. And usually that's the thing that society responds to the best because you've actually provided and given something of value. And then the next thing you know, you look up and you're like, wow, that passion thing actually wind up being the greatest profit, you know, uh, earner. Absolutely. Out absolutely. Out of everything else. Did you did you say what your passion product was? Your passion on the project was? Well, right now for me, it, it's this virtual, right? It's the virtual mall um, creating these kinds of spaces. It was not the thing that I just immediately said, okay, I'm going to crank this out. This is going to make money. Um, mm -hmm. I have a lot of things that I'm passionate about. Don't get me wrong. But for me right now, this was not that kind of turnkey. Right. Let me grab this, invest in this, and I'm going to make some money you know, immediately that I gave myself time to let it grow. Now, fortunately for me, it made money before the doors were ever open. Amazing. Right. So I, I already made money because I had um, pre-sales. Pre so I took the deposits and I made money before the doors were even open and I was collecting rent for the next month. But that goes into the fact that I've been doing this for a very long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did that with no marketing dollars. You know, but that that speaks more to that I have been building up. You know what I mean for for this. So um, and the but, systems and experience you already have in play. Hmm? I say that speaks to like the systems and the experience that you already have in play. Right, right. So kind of like for me, um, I spoke to someone last night, and they were asking me how quickly if I create a virtual space, do you think I can get a return? And I mm -hmm. said, okay, well, if we're utilizing me as a case study. You have to really understand that I've been on Instagram since 2012. Um, I've been at this since 2013, 2014. In that time frame, I have one account. I've never, my account is not, it has been my original account, which means people can see 
me. To your whole journey. Yeah. All this time, I've maintained my integrity, regardless if I was selling T-shirts or hair yep. oil, soap. Um, my customers were always serviced. There's no complaints. There was no issues, anything. You know, of course, we all have little things. Of course, of course. There was no, no, um, you read my comments. You don't see people like, wait a minute, where's my stuff? Or I didn't get my stuff. Absolutely. That. So I've maintained my integrity, but in the forefront of everything that I've done, the wellness of black people has been at the center. And the focus has been on black people in business. So I've been on that, beating that drum for over a decade. And everything that I've done has been somewhat centered around solving problems in that arena. So whether it was, okay, let me promote your business on my page for free. How can I help you? Let me create the Econundrum app, which is a business community that um, now has a business buddy matcher because we're all looking for mentors. So let me pair you kind of like a dating app for entrepreneurs. Let me provide free grants and free resources um, on my app, right? Um, Whether it was me doing hundreds of free business strategy calls, DMs, um, consultations in my frequently asked questions section, evaluating websites, evaluating people's business Instagram, um, then just pouring in for two years, just free content. So I taken classes at UCLA for marketing, everything that I learned, you know, I'm just giving it for free, right? Researching Mm -hmm. that I see people ask about all the time, like NDAs and trademarks and then providing that information uh, for free. But again, always with black people as the focus. And so because I've been just creating solutions, solutions, solutions around this issue. It just makes sense. When I launched something, right, then I created apps. I said, okay, all of my people don't have apps. So I have an app company and I did very low cost apps for 300. Uh, the most was 1200. So here's apps for you. If you need an app for your business, I'm about to launch my DIY app. So anybody who wants an app, they'll be able to build their own app for 400. So always trying to find solutions. So when I say, when you look at, you say, okay, this person has been at the forefront of black issues in business. She definitely knows what she's talking about. She's been teaching it for free. Um, That landed me in Forbes, right? Oh my God, this person's teaching all this information for free. And then you see me moving into a tech direction. So you're like, she's into apps. She's been talking about virtual events. And so when I put on a virtual mall for black entrepreneurs, it's, you get what I'm saying? It's a no brainer. It's not like really? what you're doing. What Where does it come from? It makes sense. Yeah. It makes perfect. It's the buildup. It's like, that makes perfect sense. You can follow so, your whole track record to, to, to this moment. Not, in time. So it's, it just flows because all of my steps are logical. All of my steps have always been solved, solved. So, okay. What's the problem? What's the problem? And just trying to add that value. So my case study is going to be very different. If that's your wheelhouse and that's what you've been doing and you already have a tribe, you know, it's going to be very easy. But if you just try to jump out yeah. and say you make some money real quick, holistic gardening all your life, and then you're like, I'm opening a black virtual mall, it's going to be like, okay, wait, when did you get into virtual reality? Right, right, so, right. right. So that's that right there, I would say. Um, is definitely, you know, one of the differences. And I always encourage people to stay in your lane. Like, 
even though I'm a serial entrepreneur and I would find different ways to make money, they were still in my lane. So when I did my hair product, right, I have locks. It was called lock therapy. Okay. So no, I'm not a beauty guru or anything, but it makes sense. Okay. Um, when I did t-shirts, they were mess black messaging confidence messaging unique messaging for black people so it's t-shirts but see it's still my messaging and a lot of times quotes that i had said absolutely um so when i developed my app the first one and then i developed my own app when i decided to do apps for black owned businesses you know what i'm saying like every so i'm like you don't see me just running up on face masks out of the blue you know what i'm saying it's like i don't not that kind of a chasing, you know, but just, um, I would say sticking as close to your core of who you are, your brand, and then finding opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, this was an amazing conversation. I feel like you provided a lot of value, answered a lot of questions and, you know, it was an honor and a privilege to speak with you. And, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for being my special guest for episode 60. You know, this is the Fly on the Wall show. And, you know, I try to bring on, you know, these different high level entrepreneurs and creatives who's providing a lot of value out there. You know, oftentimes, you know, we as people, maybe black people, whatever it is, entrepreneurs, creatives. One of the questions that we get asked a lot, is, you know, like, what's your definition of success? We don't we don't really know. Sometimes maybe we don't know, you know, maybe people. Sorry, maybe, you know, our family, we don't know somebody that's successful. Maybe we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it feels like. So I try to get, you know, get these high level entrepreneurs on the show to provide some value, give some game. So maybe, you know, we can apply it to our lives and see what you did. Maybe we can do it too. You know, you know, results may vary, but, you know, we can't say that, you know, we don't have access to this information. So I just want to say thank you so much for being my special guest. It was an honor. And I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, have a good day and thank you so much. Okay. Good night.